Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles, because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Unusual scripture. I do not care before you came here to church this morning, or what Your mood might be either good or bad, positive or negative. You may have come with the cares of the world on your shoulder, thinking about uh, yourself and not being able to measure up, or all your good plans have gone astray or whatever. Dear ones, if you're going to have any kind of peace and tranquility in this life, that we speak of it that passes all understanding, and that's exactly what it does. If you're really going to have the peace that the Lord Jesus Christ can give you, you think seriously about this scripture. Because like I say, I don't care what kind of mood you came in, if you begin to understand what is really in this part of the Word of God, you're going to go home a very happy, peaceful person. A few years ago, I went to a yard sale. We used to go pretty often to a yard sale. We got so much junk now, we sort of gave it up. I went to this special yard sale years ago, and there was a beautiful wood screen. One of those that pulled up to about like that, the unfolding is about six foot. A beautiful screen. I had it out in the garage. And the other part of the sale was all through the house. It was sort of an estate some young lady was selling uh, the possessions of her 
grandmother, I believe. I'm not sure. But anyhow, we walked through the garage and I saw this screen all folded up there against the wall. And so, being interested in wood, I looked at it and went in and asked the little gal, I said, what price do you put on that screen in the garage? I'm really interested in it. And she said, a hundred dollars. I said, you don't understand. I said, I, I'm talking about that screen that's looking against the wall, solid wood. How much is that worth? What do you want for it? She says, a hundred dollars. Well, I didn't have a hundred dollars, but I knew someone was caring about that much, I think, and so I prevailed on her to come up with a hundred dollars. Bought the screen. When we went out to put it in the truck, there's a guy coming back up the street, and he had a hundred dollars in his hand. He said, oh, you've already bought the screen. I said, yes, I like it. He says, do you really know what you have there? Well, I said, yeah, I got a wood screen. He says, no. He said, that thing is hand-carved. He says, not only that, he said, that is carved out of monkey wood. Well, I don't know what monkey wood is. It looks sort of like cherry. But it comes from the eastern part of the world. He said, this thing, I think he said from India, but I'm not sure. He said, do you realize what you have there? He said, that thing is worth between six and $10,000. And you bought it for $100. Well, you think about that in relation to the lesson today. Do you really realize what you have when you read this scripture? Do you really understand what is really being said here? And for the most of us, we would have to say, yes, I understand pretty much what is here. But do you understand it to the degree that it gives you the freedom that you need to be able to have life and to have it more abundantly in a world just like ours? And do I want to tell you something? Regardless of what you might think or what you might see, here the bedrock of your peace and tranquility can be found right here. You don't need to look any further, any other place. It is expressed right here into some great detail. And like I say, I don't care what kind of a mood you came here this morning in. To understand this, and for your soul to understand this, will put you in a different position for the better when you leave from here. Try to understand it. Now, dear ones, to understand this as something that is exciting, to say the least. Now, let's go back to our scripture here and to understand something of what was taking place. Now, the early church, the background to this is they had four or five active problems within the church. That sounds almost like a modern church, doesn't it? (laughs) The first thing I would call to your attention is that there was one of the problems of the early church, especially the situation that we're involved here within the scripture, that the Gentile population, the preaching was so effective, or the witness of the Lord Jesus Christ was so effective that the Gentiles were in masses joining the church. Now wouldn't it be wonderful if we had that problem? It'd be a good problem to have. But when you do have masses joining the church at one time, it can 
create some anxious moments, to say the least. The second problem I've called to your attention, in all probability these people were still meeting in the temple. If you think of the church as being the church like we think of the church, it would be a misnomer. The way that these people thought of the church was the body of Christ. It was not a physical type of a situation, but it was the people who made it up. They were still meeting in the temple, and that means they were meeting in the very presence of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. And come back to the Pharisees, they were the strict legalists of the Jewish community. Paul was a Pharisee. He said he was the chief of the Pharisees, and that meant uh, that he tried to keep the law to its very letter. So these people were still meeting within the temple. The third thing was a problem for the early church, as what Paul says in the 11th chapter, the circumcision faction. As far as I know, this is the first faction that was ever mentioned within the church. Now, wouldn't it be wonderful if we only had one faction within our church? The circumcision faction was very active within the church. And now, it is also another problem within the early church, was the Jewish concept that they were the chosen people. Now, they thought that they were the ones who God had elected to be first in all of his creation. Now, the thing that we want to be interested in and concerned about here is to think about the Jewish people as being the chosen people of God. The question is, to see the point that's to be made here, is how did the Jewish people honor this election of God? How did they honor that? Day by day, week by week, month by month, year in and year out. How did they honor it? The law. Remember this. To be on the right side of God for a Jewish person at the time we're speaking here is by keeping the law, obeying the law in all of its detail in all types of situations and the dress and we can name all of these things that the Jewish people were very meticulous about, the way they washed, the way to do this, the way to do that. There was a certain way. And if you did not do it that way, you were not on the right side of God. What we would call about today and think in terms of, it's not on the right side of God, we would think in terms of you're not saved. And so here you had these problems within the church. Now, there's one of these problems, of course, of raised its ugly head by simply eating together. Now, this concept here that they had, it seemed like they had it once a week, that they would have what we would call a potluck dinner, but they called it the love fest, where the people brought whatever they had to the church, and they would eat together. You remember Paul had some problems with this in another situation. It seemed like the rich people, the ones that were wealthier, would be at church at early at these love fests and they would eat first and wouldn't wait for the other people that had to work for a living uh, to get there. And so it seemed like some of the best choices of filet had been eaten. And, and even the other poor people that came in late to have whatever was left over. But this is a different situation here. He's not talking about that. As being able to hear the 
Jewish contact with the Gentiles was a no-no. And anyway, you couldn't talk to them, couldn't have any reaction with them. Like in business, it was a no-no to have anything to do with, with the Gentiles. Gentiles were notorious sinners as far as the Jews concerned. They were dirty, unresponsible people. You don't have any contact with them at all in any way, shape, form, or fashion. They are to be shunned by a strict Jew. And so it comes up at this meeting where they'd have this love fest together and the Jew and Gentile would sit down together because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here Peter and Barnabas and some of the others are eating with these Gentiles at the love fest. And it must have been connected to the temple some way, you see. And it was probably within the temple where this was taking place. And so the good people back in Jerusalem heard about this. And so a delegation was sent down to Galatia to check this thing out and see if it was really true that these Jews were eating with Gentiles. And so Peter and Barnabas, two great people, heard that they were coming, and so what did Peter and Barnabas do? They stopped eating with the Gentiles. But this was very much part of their lifestyle and what they thought. And so the Jews couldn't eat with the Gentiles, and so the committee came. And Peter and Barnabas had stopped eating with the Gentiles. And then Paul appears on the scene. And he looked at this situation for what it really was. And he is the one that understood it and saw it and all of its evil force and hypocrisy, really. So he confronts it. Evidently, they had a meeting, a committee meeting or some kind about this situation. And the Apostle Paul calls attention to the fact that what Peter and Barnabas had done and what they now were not doing and how this was 110% against the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear ones, this is what separated us from the Jewish fellowship. If this had not have happened, you wonder sometimes, if this had not had happened the way that it did, in all probability we would be still sort of a, a second type of citizen of the Jewish community. But here is where the, the young church was set free of the Jewish influence that they had on it. Now, you look at this situation, you see what was really taking place here, and this circumcision faction had had its way. And the Jewish people would not eat with the Gentiles anymore. And it was the Apostle Paul that called their attention to the fact what the real situation was. Now, this 15th verse, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is justified not by the works of law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Mark that in your soul, dear one. You see what Paul is really saying, that the Jewish concept that you can get on the right side of God by doing what? Keeping the law. That was work. 
you could tell whether you're a good Jew or not because if you kept one, two, three, four, I'll say of the Ten Commandments, a lot more than that, uh, that you were just a halfway good Jew. But if you kept seven percent, you were a pretty good Jew. If you kept nine of them, you were really up here on the list. And what he's saying here is, the real cleavage here is, can you work your way into the kingdom of God? Now the Jewish people and the circumcision faction said you could. And Paul is saying, Peter, you know what Jesus did. And here you are trying to make these Gentile Jews. You eat with a Gentile and you act like a Gentile. Now why do you want to make, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ is always in the background here. Remember that. Always. He said, now you live like a Gentile and you act like a Gentile. This is right. And why do you want to make the Gentiles a Jew? By keeping the law. He said, this can't be. Jesus did not do that. He did not teach that. It is right the opposite of what you're doing. You're departing with what the Lord Jesus Christ and what he brought into the world for you and for me. Now, this faction of the church here, this circumcision faction, you see, they said, well, only people who carry the mark of the Jew or the mark of God on their body can be listed in this group that's on the right side with God. Now, what mark do you carry as a Christian that says you belong to God? To the Jewish person, but with circumcision. To you and to me, what is it? Baptism. It is baptism. You who are baptized carry the mark of the Lord Jesus Christ on your being. I can't recall the name of the theologian that said this, but from time to time he'd fall into a great depression. And one thing he'd remind himself of, but yes, I have been baptized. And this would be the thing that would pull him out of his dark period. And dear ones, listen. Baptism may seem little to us from time to time or of no real consequences. But if you've been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, dear ones, you carry on your body and in your mind and in your heart and in the pit of your soul the mark of the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember that. Times may not be so good, be hard and difficult. And you may go through some periods of questioning certain situations. You just remember that you have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, a Jew, a Pharisee, a leader of the Gentile. And you know they try to discredit Paul. They say, well, we can't pay too much attention to Paul because he was not one of the twelve disciples. But you know what Paul said to them, in effect? He said to them, in effect, it's true that I am not one of the twelve. But I want you to know that what I have did not come from the disciples. And... What I met was the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is my communion with the Lord Jesus Christ that makes it possible for me to be who I am and to know what I know. I did not receive it from Peter, James, and John or any of the other disciples. I met the Lord Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road. Where did you meet the Lord Jesus Christ? 
And Paul, by saying that, I have the credentials to tell you that I am as much a part of the kingdom of God as Peter, Barnabas, or anybody else. My credentials came to me through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, stop to think about what is really being said here, you see. How do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, you have committed your life and your soul to Him, not through the law. The law had nothing to do with it. It comes up this way. How are you justified in the kingdom of God? Well, you see, if we answer that, uh, some of us would say, well, I don't know that I am really justified. Really? See, justification means that you stand in a place that is unique to you and the kingdom of God where nothing is helped against you. Nothing. Nothing. But we come to the place where we say, well, I haven't been able to be the type of person I wanted to be. I haven't this, that, or the other. Paul has this covered here when he's speaking about the flesh, you see. How are you justified? Well, there's only one way that you're justified. Paul says it's not by keeping the law. It's not by keeping the things that you're talking about. It doesn't make you a better Jew in the kingdom of God simply because you don't eat with Gentiles. That doesn't cut it, you see. You are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the thing that justifies you, you see. It brings you into a place where you stand before God as one who is innocent. Now, you see, we come up to a place, we say, like Paul is speaking to the Galatians in one place, he calls them saints. Have you ever thought about yourself as being a saint? Well, you see, you really are. It doesn't make any difference whether you've been sort of good or bad this week. You see, it's really not up to you in a fashion. If you, by keeping the law, if you, by thinking that you're good because you do this, this, that, and the other, because you do all the wonderful things, you come to church, and, and that's another thing. Why do you come to church? Why do you come to church? I come because I have an appointment with God. Not the preacher, not the choir, not anybody else. I come to Sunday school because I have an appointment with the Lord Jesus Christ. When you come with the understanding that I'm coming because I have an appointment with God, dear ones, you will never go home disappointed. Never. And you don't have to say anything about the preacher because you will meet God. If you will understand and put your soul in a position, God will speak to you. He always does. He always will. You can't work your way to heaven. You've got to see that God's grace is sufficient. God had to speak to Paul directly and say to him, Paul, you remember that famous story where Paul was laying the fact that he has all these problems and whatever they were, and he'd ask God three times, relieve me of this problem. And the Lord said, in fact, I'm not going to take it away from you, Paul. You've got it. 
But listen, my grace is sufficient. Trust me. It's very difficult for us to trust the Lord for him to give us something for nothing. And that's precisely what he's done. He's given us something for nothing, you see. This grace. Listen to this. For through the law, I died to the law. Paul is saying here that the law killed me. Or tried to. Me trying to keep the law, I couldn't do it, and I would beat myself to death over it. And I couldn't keep it. So that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith. Now, dear ones, this word flesh here has a great meaning to it. Because you see what Paul was saying. That the life I live in sin, because of this stuff that comes in life, what Paul is saying, that I am hooked to a body that is prone to sin. But there's only one person that's been able to take care of this situation, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. I live by faith, not by keeping some type of rules and regulations. I live by faith. And the Son of God, if justification comes through the law, if you're saved through doing good, whatever that might be, if you're saved through that, if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Listen to it. It is what God has done through the Lord Jesus Christ that's made it possible for you and me to have a part in the kingdom of God. It comes to me at no extra cost. Simply because I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. How much do you really trust the Lord Jesus Christ? Why do you feel bad spiritually from time to time when you have a Savior like the Lord Jesus Christ? What did Jesus really do when he said that he died for you on the cross? very difficult for us to accept that completely and totally. Now we think in terms of, for me to be a good person, I've got to do this, this, and this. To have a part in the kingdom of God, I've got to do this, and this, and this. Hold it. You have a part and place in the kingdom of God. Not because you did this, this, and this. And still breaking your neck to do it today. You have a part and place in the kingdom of God simply because Jesus Christ died on a cross and paid thereby for your sins and made it possible for any effort on your part to be a part of the eternal kingdom of God. Dear ones, I know I haven't done this justice, but here's a scripture that you can ponder and it'll come out in the right place for your soul is set free to live. Yes, Jesus can say to you and me as he said to Paul, Paul, I have taken care of it already, the problems, the difficulties, and the things that you can't handle, and the things that you do over and over again that you have no business of doing. I've taken care of it, Paul. Trust me. Now go on and live. Our Father, help these souls of ours to see it and to understand it to the degree that sets us free to really to live today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 